Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Get Into It with Gila. Today I interviewed Alyssa Rumsey. She is the author of the new book, Unapologetic Eating. And I highly recommend you give this a listen and check out her book, which I will admit I haven't read, but I'm ordering from the library today. I love the concept. I love the the, the title. I love what she has to offer. We really delved into her whole story of how she became a dietitian and then switched to the intuitive eating model and now how she just incorporates intuitive eating into all areas of her life in her business and how she really pushes the limits, um, challenges the beliefs that she's absorbed through living in this world and practices this concept of unlearning and this unapologetic living. Um, Go check it out wherever you listen to to podcasts. It will be available on YouTube as well as my IGTV. If you like this episode, please rate it, review it. It's really the only way to get the podcast to move up in the rankings and for other people to see it and to really get this content of intuitive eating and health at every size and things that we're making progress in spreading, but we need to continue to do so. Um, If you are looking to make peace with food and learn the principles of intuitive eating, check out my website, www.gulaglassberg.com. You could sign up for a free 20-minute consultation just to get to know me and learn about my approach and see if we're a good fit to work together and reach out if you want to sign up for an intuitive eating um, group slash support group. I will be recruiting um, in the next upcoming weeks or months. If you, Some people ask me what's the difference between that and one-on-one. So some people prefer the support of a group. They like to hear other people's stories and other people's input. And this is a great way to do it. It will be the fifth or sixth time running it. And it's been really, really great. Okay. Have a great day. Enjoy the episode. Hi, everyone, and welcome to my podcast, Get Into It with Gila. I know you're going to love the content here because you will gain inspiration, powerful tools and insights, and valuable knowledge. If you want more of this, please visit my website at www.gilaglassberg.com or visit me on Instagram at gilaglassberg. I'm Gila Glassberg, a registered dietitian and intuitive eating counselor. I have come to realize by counseling many, many women that this work is much deeper and greater than food and body image. It's the bigger picture challenges we face of love, belonging, acceptance, what our true values and goals are, noticing them, addressing them, and gaining skills to move forward. If you have been struggling with what your life's purpose is, or you just feel stuck in general and don't know what's holding you back, this podcast will enlighten and inspire you to take action and move forward. This podcast is about other women in the 21st century who feel that losing weight will fix all their problems or somehow meet their unmet needs. Hi, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Get Into It with Gila. I'm Gila Glassberg, and today I have Alyssa Rumsey. Hi, Alyssa. Hi. How are you today? Good. So tell the listeners a little bit about yourself. Where do you live? What do you do? Sure. So so I am a weight-inclusive registered dietitian, certified intuitive eating counselor, and the author of the book, Unapologetic Eating. Um, I'm based in Brooklyn, New York, where I have a virtual nutrition practice. Um, So my team and I primarily work with people to help them get free from dieting and reconnect back with their bodies and really find their way home to their bodies. So we do a lot of work with folks um, on their relationship to food um, and their relationship to their bodies. And then what it looks like when they're listening to their intuition and reconnected to their body from a food aspect, but also from all other aspects, whether it's movement, relationships, um, all these other things in life too. Wow. That's amazing. Do you, in your practice, do you only have dietitians or do you have like more of like therapists and are you, are you doing that? Um, so right now it's only dietitians. Um, I am in New York and unfortunately the New York laws around businesses actually don't allow you to have, um, people that are not dietitians, uh, as part of your practice. So we, I have a pretty big referral network of therapists. So we work closely with a lot of therapists. Um, I always feel like folks do so well when they have both a dietitian and a therapist on their team. Um, because certainly, you know, my goal is always to help people get to the root of what's going on with their relationship with food and their bodies. Cause often, you know, presents as like, Oh, I have this problem with food or I can't stop eating X or, you know, all of these things. And that's, what's kind of presenting at the surface, but then really digging underneath to figure out where that comes from. Um, and sometimes some of the stuff that's revealed there is really helpful to have a therapist to dig into that more. 
Definitely. I see that also in my practice. I know my, my super, one of my supervisors is always like, tell your client, take a little sticky note and write it down and bring it to their therapist. You know, like I do yes. that a lot. Like, of course, like I'm here to be empathetic and listen, but sometimes like two different lanes. Um, okay. So, so were you always a size inclusive dietitian, weight inclusive um, dietitian, or, or is that something that evolved once you became a dietitian and then you switched to like the intuitive eating model? Yeah. So, um, I was not always, I was trained in weight centric model. Like unfortunately most dietitians still are. Um, and yeah, I've been a dietitian for, oh my goodness, 14 years this year, 14 years this year. Um, and yeah, actually my, what brought me to decide to go to school for nutrition was I had started dieting in high school and had my own disordered relationship with food and body image struggles. Um, and so, yeah, my, uh, you know, my training was all weight centric, um, weight normative. Um, and then after I did my internship, I actually got a job at a large, uh, teaching hospital in New York city. And I think that was part of what helped my own relationship to food because I was working mostly in the intensive care units. So doing like, you know, at that point, you're really concerned about getting enough nutrition into people. And so of course there's still weight bias present, but it's not as much day to day. And I wasn't quote, like helping people lose weight. Like that wasn't my role in my job for over six years. Um, and so I think it helped me get a little bit of distance from that. Um, And then I, after about six and a half years, I left the hospital to start my own business. And at the time I thought I was a non-diet dietitian because I didn't subscribe to specific diets. I was like, no diets don't work, but I was still doing, you know, like portion sizing and these things that I soon realized is still sneaky kind of dieting and and Mm -hmm. still an external kind of locus of control. Um, so it was about five or so years ago now that I stumbled upon Evelyn Triboli's intuitive eating, like a six week, uh, training that she has, um, hadn't even read the book. And I was like, Oh, this looks interesting. (laughs) And signed up. Were you looking for training? Were you like looking for other ways to help with your clients? Like how did that happen? Yeah. So I was, um, looking actually for training in mindful eating. I didn't know anything about intuitive eating. I I, funnily enough, I had taken the book out of the New York public library, like over a decade prior, um, but didn't get around to reading it before it was due back. So I'd never read it. And so I was looking for trainings on, um, mindful eating and like counseling with clients. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I stumbled upon that intuitive eating one. And I vaguely remembered that a friend of mine did work at intuitive eating. And I'm like, oh, I think this is similar to mindful eating, um, and so I signed up having no idea what I was getting myself so into. That's so funny. Yeah. And then the first, I'm not sure if you've done that training, but like, the, that, yeah, yeah, you know, like the first yeah. session, she goes into all the weight science and introduces health at every size, which I had also never heard of. And it blew my mind. Like in some ways it made so much sense and just like clicked immediately of like, oh yeah, this is exactly what I was seeing with my clients. It was related to my own experience with dieting and weight. Um, and on the other hand, I was like, how have I been a dietitian at this point for like eight years and never learned this? So it was a I huge know. wake up call for me. Yeah, totally. Uh, I had a similar experience. I, I, I've only been a dietitian for like six years now, but um, I never heard about it in all my training. And there's a lot of years of training. And it's like, when somebody tells you about it, you're like, what? Like, isn't this like, shouldn't this be like part of our schooling? And like, you said like most schools still don't teach with the intuitive eating model. I mean, I do think it's getting better, but like, it's crazy. Like when you, when you read it and, and you said you had your own experience with dieting, you're like, wow, like this is exactly what happened to me. You know, Could I ask you when you said you started dieting when you were 14, like what, what spurred that? Where did that start? Um, so it started, yeah, it started, I was probably, I was sort of like mid high school. So yeah, I was probably like 15, 16 and, um, I had played sports all my life and was always in a thin body and never thought about food, like ate whatever I wanted and had a lot of, um, you know, thin privilege that way. And also, um, you know, because I was in a thin, naturally thin body, I didn't have any, I didn't experience any weight stigma. I wasn't, you know, told to go on a diet, 
Um, and then in high school, I had stopped playing basketball and around the same time, kind of like was going through puberty and started gaining weight. And which I now know, um, is completely normal when you're going through puberty and was like totally normal weight gain. But of course, living in this culture that we do, I panicked, um, and ended up going to Weight Watchers, um, with my mom actually, um, for a bit. And then that kind of started me down. I also started working out at a gym and there was a trainer there, very friendly guy, but also very (laughs) into diet culture. And so that just kind of like snowballed into, um, into stuff. And this was in the early two thousands. So, you know, nobody I knew was dieting, like healthy eating was like not wellness was culture was like, not really a thing. And there was definitely a part of me that liked the attention I got for like eating healthy, quote unquote, um, from my high school friends, because no one else was really doing that. So it started to actually become, even before I went to college to become a dietitian, it started to become like part of my identity as well of like, oh, Alyssa's the one that quote unquote eats healthy and exercises all the time sort of thing. I really relate to your story a lot because I also became really into that in high school. And like, that was, it, it was a thing when I was in high school, but like, I took that with me into like, uh, you know, we study abroad, a lot of us study abroad after high school. And like, that was like, Kila is the healthy one, you know? And like, it's just, it really does become a part of your identity. So I really relate to that. So that that's what spurred your um, love for nutrition, I guess. Like, that's why you wanted to become a dietitian. Yeah, it was, it was partially that, you know, it was kind of during that time period I was in my senior year of high school, I took a biology class and learning about, I'd never, I was always good at science and math, like science and math brain, but I never liked it. And that taking that biology class and learning about digestion, I just found it so fascinating and found like how the human body, like learning how the human body worked so fascinating. Um, you know, even apart from the diet culture lens, but then of course I was, you know, in diet culture at that point. And so, um, it, you know, just, I was applying to colleges undecided and then found out there was, you know, you could major in nutrition and, um, ended up going down that route from there. Right. Like so many of us, like we're all on a diet. So we decided to become a dietitian and we just feel like, Oh, this is a perfect fit. And then it's like, we learn about intuitive eating and we're like, oh, we had disordered eating. Like we were really like struggling. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And it's such a funny thing, right? Because yeah, I wanted to become a dietitian because I like loved talking about nutrition and exercise. And it's so funny now because, you know, I mean, I joke that my clients and I barely talk about nutrition and, um, you know, certainly not the way in which I used to, or the way in which I was trained, but that was, yeah, that's really what spurred me. I was like, Ooh, I love that people are asking me questions about this, you know, Oh, I can do this as a career. Yeah, totally. I totally relate to that. So, um, actually I wanted to ask you this. I don't know if you have, if you have any thoughts on it, but like, I think that like, like I've recently spoken in schools and been asked to come speak to like middle school kids, high school kids. And like some of my friends who are, let's say dietitians or therapists, they, um, they don't, they don't think we should even be talking to kids about nutrition. I wonder what you're, I wonder what we could do better. Like if there is something that we could do better that we could educate. I, I have three kids, so I teach them about nutrition, but I also they, you know, they already have learned about weight, like weight stigma from school, you know, mm-hmm. um, from the media, from all the people around them who mostly talk about dieting and how foods are good and bad. But like, what do you, how do you think that us as dietitians, like we could remedy that by showing up and still teaching good nutrition practice, but not, you know, engaging in diet culture? Yeah. Um, so I do not have children. I have a five-year-old twin niece and nephew. So it's certainly been exposed to, to them and kind of feeding through that way. But, um, and it's also not my specialty area, but something that I was thinking about as you were saying that, cause I've also done some, um, like teaching at like different levels of, of schooling. Um, and something that I cannot remember who I saw say this, but it's some dietitian that like specialized, she's a weight inclusive dietitian and specializes in, um, like childhood working with kids. And something she said was from a development standpoint, kids' brains are very black and white and it's hard for them to find nuance. So she gave the example of a camera, if it was her kid or kid in her, you know, her kid's class who like, they learned that carrots had a lot of vitamin A. 
And so the kids started eating carrots and one day they didn't eat carrots and they were like, mom, oh no, I'm going to be deficient. And like right. thought something was going to happen to them. Right. right. Cause they don't right. understand the nuance. So that was really eye opening to me because at that point I would have been like, yeah, it's fine to teach through like an all foods fit lens and still teach some nutrition. But that was really eye opening to me. And I think that was like, she was talking about eight to nine year olds, like still lack this nuance. So I think we do have to be really careful about um, like teaching nutrition specifics to elementary school age kids. I certainly think like you mentioned, you know, talking about, um, you know, when I have spoken to groups that age, I spoke to a friend of mine teaches fourth and fifth graders and I spoke to them last year. And like you said, they've already internalized a lot of these messages. So I felt like a lot of what I was doing was trying to, um, you know, take the morality out of food. And, you know, a lot of them were again, fourth and fifth graders, and they were like really scared to eat certain foods because they had learned about like GMOs and some other stuff. And so I felt like so much of my role there was trying to put it in perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that speaks to, again, they were already learning this and like with the lack of nuance, you know, it's hard for them to like hold that in their heads. It becomes, I mean, already as humans, we're very all or nothing, like very binary. Right. Um, so yeah. And I certainly think, um, you know, helping kids kind of just be able to listen to their own cues, um, normalizing that bodies come in all sizes, um, you know, talking about things like that. And then certainly as kids get older, kind of talking about, um, from the, like understanding more about diet culture, I think is, is really helpful and sort of the messages they're getting and how those are maybe not such great messages or such helpful messages. Yeah, that's a great answer. I, I, I spoke in a school maybe like two or three years ago. Um, it was, it was middle school kids. I think it was sixth, seventh and eighth graders. And like the, my presentation was mostly on like hunger, fullness, like the hunger, fullness scale and very general nutrition, which I like, I, I always find myself saying this to clients, you know, like fruits, vegetables, some whole grains, adequacy, like, you know, protein, carbs, and fat. And I'm like, they're like, is that all? I'm like, kind of, <laughs> you know, like I know that's, and, and I have, um, I work with Jessica Setna, who's just, who's does like eating disorders. And she's like, nutri- she always says this, like nutrition science is so new, or I took Paige Smathers, like nutrition class and it was so funny because like everything everything she was saying like I kind of already learned in school I just wanted to see it through the lens of intuitive eating and I think I I had her on the podcast also I was just saying like nutrition science is neutral it's not diet culture but we all like you said like when you were learning about it in 12th grade it's like through the lens of diet culture it's like this is good and this is bad but like that's not even what nutrition science is you know right right and it's also you know I think something I've also been trying to capture more of the nuance of, um, both with individual clients, but certainly in like the writing and speaking and social media stuff that I do. And I know Paige talks a lot about this, like capturing the nuance, um, but specifically around how yes, food impacts our health, but way less than we've been led to believe, right? Like there's so much healthism, like saying that like food and our individual decisions around like food and exercise are what makes or breaks our health. And that is not true. I think something, um, you know, like maybe I learned about the social determinants of health in school, but like not, not really. And something in the last few years of just seeing how no, like a much larger percentage of um, our health is a determined by things that are outside of our control, right? Like 65% are the things outside of our control. And then of the like 35 ish percent, that's modifiable only like 10 to 15% of that is food and exercise. So yes, it can impact our health, but way less than we've been led to believe. Um, and so I think again, like taking that into perspective, I'm also thinking, I saw a post, I don't remember who scrolling through Instagram this morning, someone writing about how, um, the research around how people's relationships and like community and social supports is so important when we look at like longevity and mortality and being like, yeah, so going out to eat with friends or like getting ice cream with friends actually probably quote unquote healthier for you than like sitting home and eating like chicken and vegetables. Um, so again, I think we have to like keep all of these things in perspective. And if the way that you're eating is causing you stress and anxiety, then I wouldn't say that that's, you know, quote unquote healthy, no matter what you're, you're eating. 
Right. And actually, I heard Brene Brown speak about this once. She was interviewed about one of her books. And she, I think she showed like the research that showed like the the highest mortality rate in like the elderly is loneliness, which like, like so many people would be like loneliness. That's not like a symptom. That's not like, that doesn't like have anything to do with like the way people die, but like, it really does actually. And, you know, I I don't even think Brene Brown knows about intuitive eating because she doesn't really talk about that. But when she said that, I was like, I think Brene Brown's, her research is really like up and coming and people really do believe what she says. And I was like, yes, like that's such a good, like, because so many people are obsessed with weight loss and they think like, oh, you want to get healthy, lose weight. And when she said that, I was like, that's such a different perspective. Like looking at like loneliness as a factor for like health. It's, it's so true. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, Okay. So, so you started your own business you were working in the, in for six years in a hospital. And then what led you to start your own business? Cause I also have my own business and I love the business side also. Yeah. Um, so yes, yeah, so I was working at the hospital and never expected I would be there for over six years. I was like, Oh, maybe a year I'll do a year or two of clinical. Um, and then I was working at New York Presbyterian, which is a really large teaching hospital here in New York city. And, um, just the, the opportunities that I got like outside of just clinical, like, first of all, the clinical, I loved working in the intensive care unit. I loved the interdisciplinary team. I loved working so closely with the doctors and the pharmacists and the nurses and the speech therapists and, um, all of that. And really feeling like I could have such a big impact on people nutrition wise. Um, and then I got my start in doing media work there. Um, I did a lot of TV while I was there. How did that happen? They they found you? Like they just like do the... Well, because it's such a big, um, it's the number one hospital in New York. And so they would get, um, when reporters are doing news stories and they're like, I need to talk to a dietitian or I need to talk to a doctor, they always reach out to hospitals. um, And the PR department would then like come to my boss's boss and... Um, so I started doing it that way. And then I ended up becoming like the media liaison for the nutrition team and doing training for the dietitians on all the different campuses. Um, that led me to become, I applied and became the, um, spokesperson first for the New York state Academy of nutrition and dietetics. And then I was a spokesperson of the Academy of nutrition and dietetics for three years. Um, and it was actually when I was a spokesperson for the Academy that there's only at the time there was 30 of us all over the country and most, not all, but a large percentage were entrepreneurs and business owners. And I really got a chance to see all the different options out there for how you can have a business as a dietitian. Um, And I started like doing some consulting on the side and I was just like traveling more like with the Academy and yeah, just seeing this side of nutrition that I didn't really know existed. And again, this is like the mid two thousands. Um, and so social media was like barely a thing. It was like just kind of starting. Um, and yeah, just getting a chance to kind of be around these people who were so inspiring and just had really amazing businesses and, um, learning from them. And it gave me a different perspective. And then around the same time, I decided to go back to school for my master's. Um, I was still working full-time and going part-time, but I was getting a master's in health communications. And so initially I had been thinking that I wanted to leave the hospital and work in the communications sector. And I applied for actually a lot of jobs, didn't get any of them, but applied for a lot of jobs. And then I was realizing as I was starting to do some stuff on the side and being around these people in the academy spokesperson program, I was like, all these jobs I'm applying for, it's like one small facet of what interests me. And I'm going to be bored so quickly. Mm -hmm. Um, At the time too, I'd been at the hospital for over six years. And so I was, you know, one of the longest running team members on the nutrition team. I had a lot of autonomy. Um, I was working in management at the time. And I was just like, I don't know if I want to start over at a new company either. Um, So I kind of realized as I was applying for jobs, like, wait a second, to do all of these different things that interest me, I really have to work for myself. And at this point, I now had mentors and models of like what that looked like. Um, And so that's what really got me thinking about it. And then 
And then I was like, well, how am I going to do this? I'm single living in New York city, you know, don't can't afford to like get my own insurance. Don't have savings because I'm living in New York city. Um, and then I had been talking to a friend of mine about this. And a couple of weeks later, she calls me and she was like, oh my gosh, I have the perfect job for you. And it was a part-time 20 hour a week, corporate wellness, nutrition job with full insurance benefits. Wow. So that was like my, you know, ticket out of the full-time world and allowed me, I worked there for a year while I was like building up my practice. So it gave me a bit of breathing room. Um, yeah. And that was actually, gosh seven years ago this month. Wow. Yeah. So it, as you're like recounting this story, it sounds like it was a really natural progression. Like, okay, I was working here and then I met the mentors for the, um, for, you know, entrepreneurs and then the 20 hour, like, but while you were in it, did you feel like, cause I know like for myself, like I was like, I exactly like, I don't know how I'm going to start this business. We did, I didn't have any business training entrepreneurship. Now it's changing, but like, but like, I was so drawn to it. Like you said, like you'd be bored. Like there's so many things I wanted to do, but I just like the fear, like of doing it, like, did that hold you back at all? I mean, yeah, I was thinking about it for a long time. And I think what, and same, I didn't have any business training. I did not know what I was doing. Um, having these people that had done it before me. And even though I had a couple of close friends who had just been doing it for like a year or two, but even that was really helpful of like giving me some courage of like, okay, they're doing it. I can do this. And then, um, if I hadn't gotten that 20 hour, found that 20 hour week job, I don't know what, (laughs) what it would have looked like. Um, because that was just something I knew how rare that was. And, Again, I also had a couple of side income streams at the time that made me feel confident that I could, you know, have a little bit of leeway for a few months while I built some stuff up. Um, And again, I loved the hospital job and it was at that point kind of like a cushy job since I'd been there for so long. So, um, and oh my God, looking back now, I'm like the insurance benefits. I didn't realize how good I had it while I was there. Mm But so, yeah, I feel really grateful because it was, I think it would have been a much harder leap if I was going from like full-time to just completely starting my own thing. And that really like did push me. I had, other than having like a couple side income streams coming in from a consulting standpoint, I didn't have any other thing, anything set up. So I was really starting from scratch. Um, Well, good for you business trainings and reading and yeah, all of those things. The first couple of years. Right. Now you're sort of like a guru, like, right. You have, I want to hear like more about like the, the sides of your business, but um, yeah. Like when I was, when I was actually starting, I'm just trying to think of my timeline. Like my son is, my son's three and a half and I was pregnant with him at the time. And I remember I was at this place where I was like, I, I did not like clinical. I was in nursing homes, but I was like, okay, every, all the stars are aligning. I have to start my own business. And then like, I quit my job. And then I was like starting to show because I was pregnant. And then like, so many of my own mentors were like, you should really get a part-time job. I'm like, I'm like six months pregnant. <laughs> but that's what, that is what I tell like dietitians, like just for that cushion, that like part-time. And also it's hard to structure your week when you have like nothing on your schedule. Like when you have like three days a week you're working and the other days are like allocated to your business, it does give you like more of like a structure. Yeah. Yeah. I think certainly from like taking some of the financial pressure off, um, it's really helpful and yeah, the structure. And it was honestly also at that job where I got really clear at, um, who I wanted to be working with. You know, when I started, I was just like, I will see anyone who's going to pay me. Right. Like Mm -hmm. I had this clinical background. I was doing a lot with like tube feeding at the time. Um, and was seeing like those like home care to feed clients. I have like a sports nutrition background. So I was doing some of that. Um, but there was like one specific person um, who I saw through my corporate wellness job, who I still remember. And the experience I had like coaching and counseling her. Um, and this was maybe like eight or nine months into my job there. Um, it was just like, this is what I feel really like. This is what I feel really passionate about. Um, and so it did, you know, help me like from a skill perspective and to kind of narrow it down because it, 
you know, I was seeing some one-on-one clients through my business, but that takes so long to, to build up. So I was able to see a lot more and really get a clear understanding about the people that I wanted to work with through my business too. So it was helpful from that perspective for sure too. So you, so during that year you started, I guess, how did you like advertise? How do people know about you? How did you start? Oh my goodness. Um, well, let's see. So I guess like the first thing is I started developing a website. Um, so again, at the time I was doing some consulting work. So financially I was like, okay, for a couple of months. Um, and so I had, um, a friend of a friend help me design my first logo and website. Um, and honestly, most of my, um, the people I was working with and the things I was doing was through referrals. So I was seeing some one-on-one clients. I was doing some freelance writing. I was doing, um, some corporate wellness presentations for like two different companies, um, that were contracting me out. Um, I was doing, oh my gosh, like so many different things. It's so funny when I look back at like old folders in my computer and I'm like, oh my gosh, I was doing, I was spread so thin, but again, I didn't really know where I wanted my company to go. I was just trying to like keep my head afloat for that first year. Um, and then after that first year, I decided to quit the part-time job and go full-time Um, and that's really when I felt like I was getting, like I had done all this business training. So I was getting more clear on that. I was, you know, working on blogging and social media and like website, um, stuff and like email lists and all these different pieces. I was getting more clear on who I wanted to work with, um, and like niching down more. Um, and then that was the time that, you know, I was like, okay, things are feeling solid business-wise. Let me do some more counseling training. And then mm-hmm. stumbled upon the intuitive eating course and like blew my whole business model up. <laughs> so, wow. yeah. Meaning yeah. like you, you took that course and you were like, okay, now I have to change the way I counsel. Was it like that? Instantly? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, and again, I was, I felt, oh, it's because the other thing I was doing is I was doing brand spokesperson work. So I was um, working with different brands that aligned with my, my values and my mission and that I liked. Um, and that gave me the leeway when I took that course, I was like, oh crap, like I can't keep doing this like weight loss counseling that I'm doing. And so, um, I actually stopped taking on new clients for probably almost like four or five months, I think. Um, and I finished out with the ones I had, which was like slightly awkward because now I'm trying to like introduce intuitive eating to them, even though they came to me for weight loss. Um, and yeah, I relied on my other streams of income. I was still doing writing. I was working with this app, you know, I was doing some different things. Um, and then like revamped all of my website and my marketing messages and like all of the things and, and tra- did more training. Cause I was like, I need to learn more about this. Um, were you nervous and- that you wouldn't get like a client, like a client base? Or- oh yeah. <laughs> oh Yeah. For sure. There was definitely a lot of um, feelings of scarcity and feelings of like, are people even going to do this? So this was, yeah, this was like about five years ago. Um, And at that point, I feel like intuitive eating specifically and now like health at every size and things like that are gaining more steam and exposure in just the last couple of years. But five years ago, like no one was really talking about it. And um I had no idea like how people were going to react to it. Um, but, and again, this is where like having those different revenue streams was helpful as I like, again, tried to build up a client base and it did take a little bit of time, but, um, yeah, I saw that like, oh yeah, people are tired of dieting and they are interested in trying this new way and like different way. Um, so yeah, it, it worked out in the end. <laughs> yeah, I see. I see that. So, so I think I don't really know, like you said, you have a practice, you have other dietitians that work for you. You also run like some, um, I'm blanking on the word, but like retreats, right? Like, could you talk, talk to me a little bit about like the other aspects of your business? And, and was that like, that was that natural for you? Was that like your creative side? Was that what other dietitians were doing? Like, you must be very creative to come up with all that stuff, you know? Um, well, thank you. It's funny because I, I have this story that I'm not creative and it's something that I've been working on challenging the last, like specifically in 2021. Um, 
So yeah, I, you know, now where my business is, is that, um, the kind of two focuses. So I have a consumer facing business where, like I said, at the beginning, my team and I work with people both one-on-one. We also, um, offer group programs and online trainings to people who are, um, yeah, just feeling done with dieting, wanting to try something different. Um, and then I also work with dietitians and clinicians, um, who are either have a business and are looking to grow it or who want to start a business. And so that's kind of the other side of my, my business right now. And that started, oh my gosh, was it 20, I think it was 2017. Um, because so when I started my business, like I said, I had all these friends that I had made through the Academy spokesperson program who, um, we're running their own businesses. And at the time there was like, I mean, now there's so many different options for specifically for dietitians, but also for just other online, you know, clinicians. Um, but at the time there really wasn't any of that. And so I was relying on these people who I know, and I've been able to form these close relationships with, um, and like the nutrition entrepreneur practice group of the Academy, like those were the two main things. And, um, uh, former spokesperson friend of mine reached out and said, this was a couple months into me, um, leaving the part-time job. So I've been in business myself for like a little over a year. And she said, she was out in LA and she said, two girlfriends and I are going to do this like weekend retreat, just like to work on our businesses and like talk things through. Do you want to come out here? And I was like, yeah, that sounds amazing. Um, and during that weekend, the four of us, like we had an outline and we had like time to work on our businesses. We had time to discuss with each other. And it was just so nice because I mean, you probably have felt this way at points, but entrepreneurship is really lonely. Um, and even though I have a team now we're, you know, all virtual. So it's still, I'm working by myself most days Mm -hmm. of the week. And just to have these people to like bounce ideas off of also, I, I'm like really good with like detailed stuff and like to-do lists and like getting all the little stuff done. I struggle to like take that step back and do longer term planning. So it was also really helpful in that way, um, to sort of have a, a specific space to do that in. And so while we were there that weekend, I said to them, I'm like, we need to do this for other dietitians. Like, this is amazing. And two of the women said, yeah, we'd love to do that. And so I kind of had penciled it in of like, okay, maybe in the fall. And then I circle back to them like six months later and was like, Hey, I'm, you know, are you still interested? And they're like, no, like our businesses have gone different ways, but feel free to, to run with the idea. Um, and so I started offering, I was calling them dietitian entrepreneur mastermind retreats. So I was doing turned into doing twice a year, two different retreats in the spring and two in the fall. Um, and I did that for a couple of years. I think I ran like 10 or 12 retreats over a couple of years. Um, and then COVID happened. (laughs) Um, and so, yeah, at this point I have, a um, and then I, got my book deal. So then I was writing my book. And so I kind of put that part of the business on the back burner for a bit and actually am now kind of bringing it back out. Um, so I did create in 2020, obviously saw a need, like all these dietitians were now virtual, some lost their jobs and we're just like trying to figure out like, Oh, this is a chance for me to start my business. Um, so I created a self-paced online course, the dietitian entrepreneur foundation course, which walks people through like all the nuts and bolts of starting their business. Like all those things that took me like several years to really put all together. Mm-hmm. Um, and then what I'm working on now, cause I do do a little bit of one-on-one business coaching, um, for weight inclusive, uh, clinicians and providers, but really what in the last couple of years, I've been participating in some different group programs, um, like business kind of programs. And I really want to create something. And this is what I'm working on now to hopefully launch in the spring, um, to create a, a longer term group program. That's like part business building part social justice, part weight inclusive care, and also part like that, um, just connecting with others and having that like self-care piece as a business owner and as an entrepreneur and as a, you know, mental health clinician. Um, and so that's really the next, the next step, um, is I've been running a group program for, um, 
kind of my, uh, the people who are trying to let go of dieting. And now I want to take some of that material and start, you know, kind of training dietitians more, but also working into it, like the business aspect as well. Wow. That's a lot of things. And like you (laughs) say, like, you're not creative, like you're struggling with that story of like not being creative. Like it sounds like you, you're really good at finding like what's missing in the intuitive eating nutrition entrepreneur space and being like hey like I needed that help and now I could help others like that's like isn't that what they say about like the the mother of invention is necessity right yeah 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 and thank you you know it's something that again it's all kind of sort of seemingly stars aligned happening but um but yeah I mean I think that that has kind of been it of like oh well you know, no one's doing it or no one's doing it just like this. Cause I think, and what I love about this community, like the way inclusive community is that people are so supportive and there are some like amazing trainings out there now, business trainings and way inclusive trainings. Um, and I refer people to those all the time, but yeah, it's creating something. I mean, it was the same with my book. It's like, okay, there's so many great books out there, but like, I want to write one that's like, you know, encompasses the the things that I feel like aren't all together in these books. Um, and so it's kind of the same thing with these different programs of like, okay, you know, if I could like wave a magic wand and design something that I would find helpful um, and, and in talking to people in the community would find helpful, you know, what would I put in there? Right. That's amazing. And I also do, I do hear a lot of like, maybe, maybe I'm wrong and you can correct me, but like confidence, like, or, or, um, like not the scarcity mindset, like the abundance mindset. Like I know for a lot of, for myself, for other dietitians who are in this space, they're just so scared. I I know actually for myself, when I um, really started working on my business, like every day, like I would set aside time was when I had to during COVID because we were all in quarantine and I'm married with three kids. So, so my husband had to work for three hours. So I'm like, okay, well then I have to work for three hours because I'm not watching the kids by myself all day. And um, that's just me. It was way too much. And so that three hours was like, okay, so like I'm not seeing clients at that time. So what should I be doing? And that, because I had, because I had those three hours built in, it was accountability for me, but like, it sounds like maybe you're just like, what is it? Are you naturally good at it? Or you just had a vision? Like, or I'm just missing that part because like, I'm just listening to the story, you know? Yeah, no, it's a good question. I mean, I think, I mean, I consider myself like a, a recovering type A. I think I'm, you know, in many ways, the like quote unquote, you know, stereotypical first child of just like, and my, I get so much of this from my mother who was like hyper-organized and just like on top of everything. And that is just, I think part of it's how my brain works and part of it is how I was raised. Um, and that is just my, like my default, like that's just, you know, and I've, I've been working to undo some of that because it was my default, but also, um, to detriment. It was like unhelpful in a lot of ways where I was like very rigid with things and, um, not good for my mental health. And so the last decade or so I've been working on just being able to be more flexible. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think from a business perspective, yeah, I'm super organized. I'm like really good with all the details. Um, it's, it's a little bit of a, um, there's like this line that I'm always sort of navigating around, you know, doing new things like launching this new program. But also I learned through working for myself that I hate time bound stuff because it just stresses me out. So I love it when there's like nothing super time bound and I'm like, okay, what do I want to work on this week from this multitude of things? Um, now it's not realistic to have a business that's like never anything time bound. Right. Right. Um, but yeah, that just has informed how I work. Um, and also I think too, I had to get out of that mentality that, um, I mean, I think is certainly in the culture that, that we live in here in the U S. Um, but also in a lot of the business circles of just like, you know, six figures and then going for seven figures and always growing every year. And I had to like step back and be like, wait, but what do I want? And what's important, you know, for my life? Because at the end of the day, you know, I started a business, um, primarily partly because I was interested in doing these different things, but also partly because I wanted more flexibility in my life. So if I'm just creating this business, that's replicating like a nine to five, 
what good is that doing? Um, so yeah, really thinking more about my values and balancing, you know, wanting to support people and wanting to do interesting things and, um, be around people while also, yeah. What do I want my life to look like and how can my, the work that I'm doing, like be in service to that as well. It sounds like, like I always say this about intuitive eating, like intuitive living, like you said, like, well, I could always keep growing my business, but then like, well, part of, you know, I wanted to be more flexible. I wanted my schedule to be more flexible. So I have to take a step back and that's like, or like, I know I want to hear about your book. Like you, I was, I was reading some of the things you sent me that the book is a lot about like unlearning. So like for you, you, you see like a recovering type A or somebody who's very rigid, you're like learning about flexibility. That sounds like that's like very much in line with your values and what you work on. Yeah, for sure. I mean, yeah, I think the, the unlearning piece, um, and that's a big theme, like you mentioned in my book is, um, you know, the book is really around like unlearning diet culture and all the ways in which these anti-fat beliefs are present within us and all around us, um, because of the culture that we're in. Um, and you know, the last couple of years, I've also been learning more about just how, you know, the roots of that diet culture, um, which is rooted in white supremacy and in colonialism and in racism, and then how that impacts, yes, it impacts our relationship with food and our bodies, but it also impacts, um, you know, yeah, our, you know, perfectionism and binary thinking and, um, all of these different, different things. Um, and so, yeah, there's so much overlap I've been realizing between like, diet culture and how this shows up with food and bodies and how we show up like in all other areas of our life. So yeah, so much of it is just this, like being aware of like, Oh wait, you know, what is this belief that I have that's informing what I'm feeling right now? Um, and then unlearning that of like, okay, is this me or is this something I was taught and really Mm -hmm. trying to just like peel back all the layers? Um, I mean, in so many ways, like it feels like I'm just like, okay, who was I as a child and how can I get back there? You know, because we're just for so many reasons, like so many different things kind of pile up on top of us. And I feel like I'm now trying to peel back all those layers. Um, and it, it started with the food and body piece, but now it's going into like all these, these different areas too. Totally. So tell us about your book. How did that come to be? Did you always want to write a book? Um, and it's called unapologetic eating. How did that come to be? Walk us through that. Um, I mean, I think in the back of my head, I, you know, I do enjoy writing and so I think in the back of my head, I'm like, Oh, it'd be cool to write a book someday, but it wasn't, you know, I didn't have it like in a, in a goal anytime soon. And then, um, I was actually approached by a publisher who found my work online and they were a publisher traditionally of like diet books and cookbooks. And then one of their executives had read about intuitive eating a couple of years ago and was like, wow, this is so interesting. This makes so much sense. And then they decided they wanted to start publishing some books, um, in that area. Um, and so they reached out to me. I honestly almost didn't respond to the email because I thought it was just a a junk email. (laughs) Um, I I can relate to that. Yeah. I mean, yeah, you know, it's like, you get so much just like, BS email. That's like not real. Um, I did respond luckily and got on a call with them and they're just like, have you ever wanted to write a book? And like, what would you write about? And I just kind of said like the first thing that came to my mind, I hadn't thought about this much, but obviously I think it had kind of like been in there. Right. Um, and I said to the person on the call, I was like, well, the part that I love most about working with my clients is how they come to me with like this quote unquote, like struggle with food. And then we work on that, but through our work together, it impacts all different areas of their life. And so I really wanted to write like a book that, that captured that. Um, and they were like, great. And I mean, they, they honestly, I kept waiting for the other shoe to drop, but they just let me run with it. Um, and so I ended up did a lot of brainstorming and decided I wanted to write this like broad spectrum book that like we talked about earlier covered all these different areas that I've learned from so many different people, but to really put them into one book, um, and to show people how, um, 
unlearning diet culture and making peace with food transforms not just your relationship with food and yourself, but like all these other things. Um, and so, yeah, I, I started that process. I didn't have a title when I was starting out. Um, and I sent them, um, like an outline. And then I think they had seen like maybe one or two chapters at that point. And I got an email from the publisher and they said, so we've been brainstorming some book ideas and the top one that's come out of our office is unapologetic eating. What do you think about that? And now, I mean, I immediately loved it. I of course like did some more thinking and like did, uh, got feedback from a lot of people, but, um, it's so funny because then I realized that like in my Instagram bio and probably somewhere on my website, I had been kind of using the word unapologetic. Like mm-hmm. I just kind of started using that. Um, and I don't even remember like where that came from or like how that happened, but I had that like a couple places. So I think that's where they saw it and then kind of seeing what I had sent them so far. Um, and then, yeah, it just made it really, as I started to like, think about it more, it made so much sense because yeah, unapologetic eating to me is like eating what you want, when you want, how you want without feeling guilty, without feeling ashamed, without feeling worried about what other people are thinking. Um, you know, it's just like enjoying yourself with food and like being in the moment and like fully inhabiting your body, um, without feeling self-conscious or like worrying about anything, just like being present in the moment and being connected to yourself. And really with that, it was like, okay, it's about like, like I just said before, peeling back the layers, getting back to the roots of like who you were before society put all these things on you. Um, and funny, a side story is that, so that was 2020. So it's like the summer we decide on that title. A few months later, I came across a journal that I kept. I had been at a retreat in 2019 and I was like, oh, I haven't looked at that journal since 2019. It's like, I remember we did some cool, like brainstorming exercises and I had some different ideas. I don't remember what they were. So I start reading through the journal and this is 2019. This is before I, the publisher had reached out. I had not thought about writing a book at all. I pull open the like three ideas I'd come up with during that retreat that I had honestly completely forgotten about. And one of them was a book and a podcast called Unapologetic Eating. No way. Yes. Really? And I'm like not one of those people that's like, you know, I mean, I've been getting more into this, but like the idea of like manifesting, I'm like, yeah, right. whatever. And I'm like, right. holy wow. Like I totally did. Like that was in me. And then I promptly forgot about it. And then like in um, this book and then the public, yeah, the whole thing was really wow. wild, but that's crazy. yeah, that's kind of how that all came about. I think that that's just a really cool story, but also like inspirational for me and for listeners. Cause like, I think that, did you read the book, feel the fear and do it anyways by Susan Jeffers? It's a really, no, I've heard that's of a, it. That's a great book. I just reread it. I was talking about it a lot on my Instagram. Like your story to me is like, it, it's portraying a lot of like fearlessness. Like you had this vision, you had this goal, you had this idea you learned about, like some people learn about intuitive eating and they're like, nah. Like it, it can't, it just can't be like, there's just too many people I know on a diet, but you're like, you didn't even realize this, but you're just like, no, this makes sense. Like, this is true. I've seen this in my practice. I've seen it in myself. Like I'll just go with it. You know, like, I think some people do struggle to, and I've, I've heard this from dietitians who've been like, I do believe in intuitive eating, but it won't sell. So I'll just do weight loss. And I'm like, really? Like, you'll just like live like on a totally different like value system. And like, they're like, yeah, I'm like, oh my money, whatever. And I totally get that. I don't, I'm not like, I don't, I'm not like against those people. Like they want to support their family. They don't believe in things strongly in general, whatever. But um, I I think that like through the intuitive eating process, which led me to like, you know, business coaches and the concept of manifesting and the concept of abundance mindset, like, especially because of that story you just told, like it's somewhere in there that like you see a vision, you see like a dream, you see like something missing in the world. And you're like, I got to do that. You know, like even you wrote it in your journal. Yeah. 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 And I think so much of like the last couple of years has been realizing of just like trusting that process and not feeling like, okay, now I got to like set goals and figure out how to do it. And like, you know, this idea for the dietitian program has been brewing for like a couple of years. And I'm like, 
I'll know when the right time is and like, you know, just kind of like circling back to it. And so I think that's also, I mean, and that's come from, from being in business, from just like, honestly, my growth less as a business owner and more as just like a human in the last couple of years and just kind of trusting of like, yeah. And, you know, again, I have a lot of privilege in so many ways and, um, you know, do have like the financial privilege to be able to be like, okay, like my business is good as it is. And I can sort of like know when I want to go into different areas and, and just, you know, being in business now for this long, like seeing those cycles and how they come around and of like, okay, there's going to be months where there's not as many people coming in, but Mm -hmm. that's normal. And it always comes back around and just kind of having that, that confidence, um, to just like keep going, which is always, you know, easier and and some points and harder at others. Um, but yeah, just kind of building that confidence in, in myself and, um, in the business and yeah, just trying to do things that feel good and that feel right. And doesn't feel like I'm pushing it or yeah, doing this from the scarcity lens, um, especially as, you know, diet culture preys on scarcity too. Right. And so it's like the same kind of thing in our culture of, um, you know, certainly through our marketing, like not wanting to do that to people and being rethinking a lot of that. Um, cause so much of like the traditional business training, it's like a scarcity based, um, one. Right. Um, so yeah, I think just over the years, and I would say it's never that I'm not fearless. There's always fear and anxiety of like, what if no one signs up? What if no right. one wants to yeah, do this? Yeah, yeah, totally. But you know, you do it anyway. And it's like, okay, if no one signs up, then I revamp and I try something different. So. Right. Right. It, it's definitely giving me a lot of um, motivation and inspiration because like, even like some days you see like a lull in your business and you're like, oh, nobody cares about me. <laughs> like we come up with these stories. Like, yeah. no, I don't think you're doing Nobody likes me nobody, whatever. And like, then you just feed that and you're just stop creating content or you don't feel inspired versus like that I guess mindfulness piece or that abundance mindset of like it will come when it will come or the right time will be when it will be and like maybe I just need to get quiet like I have to stop being like busying myself to just be busy like just like the culture that we live in sort of promotes right right and I think too um not or de-linking my value as a human to how my business performs. Um, yes. I think that was really big for me too. And this was just a couple of years ago. I was in a supervision session with Fiona Sutherland, who's incredible. And I was having this like, pan- this was fall of 2019 actually. And I was like having this panic of like, okay, you know, I, I really like, um, what's the word I'm looking for? I had like attached myself to this label of like intuitive eating dietitian. And then I felt like, okay, this I'm doing so much more than that, but I don't know how to explain that to people. And like, I know that it's more than that, but like how to, and all, I was like having this like existential crisis. And, um, what Fiona said to me was amongst other things. One of the things I remember her saying to me then was talking about like getting super grounded in my values because when I'm super grounded in my values and and this is for everybody, right. When you're like super grounded in your values and who you are as a human, when other stuff comes and like hits you, yes, there's still going to be ones that can like affect you, but you're not attaching to it as much. And it's sort of, this is also something Marcy Evans, someone else I've done supervision with said to me of just like, you know, you learn how to filter whose feedback you do need to listen to and who's, you can be like, nope, like, and just really getting a better sense of that. And no matter what, right. And I think this for me too, in the last, like since 2020 with kind of like the racial uprisings happening. And I think I've gotten a lot better at being able to take feedback and take some not so good feedback without being like, oh, I'm a bad person. Something Mm -hmm. is wrong with me. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, and without getting like defensive because that totally limits our growth as humans and as professionals and as clinicians. Um, and so, yeah, I think that's been a lot of it is like not linking how a program does or feedback I get to like my worth and value as a human. 
Totally. And I'm actually like on my list of things to do. I really want to take Fiona's um, course on trauma-informed nutrition. So like, yeah, I'm also like, should I, should I not, should I, should I not? So I know I've heard, I've heard her name many, many times. Um, Yeah. I just, I take anything Fiona does. I sign up for basically. I did her, um, she and Marcy have the body image training that I did like when it first came out a couple of years ago. And since that was my first introduction to actually both of their work. And since then, I basically sign up for anything Fiona does because it's always amazing. Okay. Good to know. Good to know. Maybe we'll bring her on the podcast next. Yeah. Um, she's great. Okay. So thanks so much for coming on. Um, any last words or can you share where where listeners can find you and your work. Sure. Yeah. So my website is alyssarumsey.com. My book is called Unapologetic Eating. There's information on my website about it. It's also available anywhere books are sold. And then you can also find me over on Instagram at alyssarumseyrd. Okay. Awesome. I'm going to put all that in the show notes so people could easily find you. Your amazing work. Thank Thank you. Yeah. Thank you for having me. It was amazing. Really amazing. Thank you. Thank you all so much for being here on my podcast, Get Into It with Gila. If you'd like to learn more about what I do and what intuitive eating is, please visit my website at www.gilaglassberg.com or follow me on Instagram at Gila Glassberg. Thank you so much. Have a great day.